This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. In five. Check for sound. Four. It's showtime. Three. Let's two, go. One. Thanks to Rode Microphones and Harlan Hogan's VoiceOverEssentials.com, the home of the Portabooth Pro. This is the Pro Audio Suite podcast with Robert Marshall from Source Elements and Someone Audio Post Chicago. Darren Robbo Robertson from Voodoo Radio Imaging Sydney. From LA, George the Tech Whitam, the Tech to the VO Stars, and me, Andrew Peters, voiceover talent and home studio guy. And here we are for another show. It's part two of our interview with Mary Lynn Wisner. Uh, last week we talked about Don Pitts, ad-libbing auditions, awesome worlds, casting before the internet, diva moments, budgets, talent pool, online versus traditional casting, audio quality, manager or agent, and a whole bunch of other stuff. This week we're talking about demos, the industry post-COVID, the bullshit factor, endorsements, opinion versus science, Commercial studios that used to be hubs, what's their future? ADR at home, home studios, good or bad, changes over the last 30 years. And you kicked it all off by asking a pretty insightful question about AI. What are your feelings about AI coming in? I mean, we discussed this on another show a couple of weeks back, but um, this is affecting a portion of the voiceover industry with, you know, artificial intelligence. How do you see that rolling out? It's a little scary, obviously, you know, for obvious reasons, but... I can't imagine how, at least the AI I heard, you know, it's so not human-like to me that I can't imagine that it, it would be too um, relatable for the, you know, general consumer or, or whatever. Um, so I th- kind of think it has a ways to go, but um, I, I mean, I definitely think it's something we're going to see. I don't know when but I don't see the human voice going away completely, of course. In your 30 years since you set up your own business, it has gone, like, if you actually condense what's actually happened, it is quite extraordinary, the change. We've gone from, you know, face-to-face auditions, people going to studios. totally. Home studio, everything has changed. Uh, Yeah, if you had told me, you know, 30 years ago, I I never would have imagined that, you know, we'd be doing everything, uh, you know, uh, in our home booths and never walking into an office and things like that. I mean, at at the time, there were a few actors that did have home studios, but that was such a, you know, a luxury that was so, uh, you know, mostly only like promo guys had that. Um, So it, it, uh, now it's just the norm, but yeah, it's, it, I've seen so much change since I first started for sure. So talking about home studios though, there's, there's obviously the good side and the bad side. What do you see as the good side of the home studio? The good side is, yeah, I mean, you can be in the middle of the country and now have access to um, auditions and productions that you couldn't do or weren't given the opportunity to do, you know, even four or five years ago. If you have a really good home studio and um, great connection and things like that, um, you can get a lot of work because they're not having to outsource it to bigger cities with bigger studios and things like that. Um, and you are also getting the opportunity to maybe hook up with um, major city representation where you wouldn't have been able to do that before because most agents back then only wanted talent in LA or New York or Chicago or something. Um, so for that part, it's great. Um, 
and and it's another, you know, part of the business having your own home studio. It's showing professionalism, you know, with a very professional booth or good sound quality, good mic, um, you know, not rinky dinky stuff, but, you know, really good quality equipment. And, uh, you know, I think an actor can make a very nice living now anywhere in the world as long as they have a good studio and, um, you know, good resources. But at the same time, there's there's still that little bit of that human disconnect. Um, you know, even like in my office, we don't we don't do in-person castings as much as we used to because most of the time the turnaround is so quick. We need the auditions back quicker than doing the session the next day. So um you lose that human touch, but uh so that part of it I'm not a fan of, but it's it's the way it is. It's you know it's what it is. But there's also uh, the home studio thing also opens up the door for people that probably shouldn't be in the business at all. Exactly. Do you see that as an issue? <laughs> oh, I see that a lot. And it sometimes it's it's heartbreaking to me. And, and I'm sure maybe George could attest to that where I might be coaching some people yeah. and and I see them, oh, my husband bought me this fabulous booth and this really wonderful Sennheiser mic and I want to do voiceover and da, da, da. And they absolutely have no talent. They might book maybe, you know, I don't know, two commercials or something thing in their you know whatever but they're not going to make a living out of it and I, and and you know not to sound snobby or something I can tell I just know they're not going to make a living out of it and I look at that booth and I just go god I know this great actor that could use all that stuff you know yeah. um it's heartbreaking sometimes and and you know I, I as a coach when I'm coaching talent that aren't very talented I try to be very honest you know, of course, in a delicate way, but I don't ever lead anybody on. And I never advise anybody to go buy all that stuff until they're ready. But some people just do because they think it's easy. So, yeah, you know, you're yeah, always going to get that. All sorts of different examples, gradations of that. I mean, just everything you can imagine. Uh, and so it's, it's, uh, it's sad when you do see someone make a considerable investment thinking the equipment and the microphone is the 90, is 90% of their investment of becoming a professional voice actor. Oh, it's, it's and, uh, crazy. You know, we can get a quality audio recording of a horrible, <laughs> very bad read, bad diction, you know, mouth, or, you know, actual speech impediment and the whole nine <laughs> yards, yeah. you know? Yep. Yeah. But you know what? I've, I've yeah. seen successful voice actors with speech impediments. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. I mean, Sometimes it, it becomes happen. a trademark, doesn't it? Yeah. You know sure, what? Yeah. There are a few of those out there for sure. Yeah. I, I sometimes scratch my yeah. head, but dramatically yeah. an exception. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's yeah. interesting because yeah. Sean Connery has a speech impediment. Yeah. yeah. That's his yeah, trademark. Tom Brokaw. Yeah, but see, <laughs> but see, I, I reckon. I mean, you, I reckon that adds some credence to his characters, though. I, I don't think that's to the detriment of his characters as an actor. If you turn that into a voiceover, though, does that make a difference? Hiring Sean Connery for general voiceover. It's like if you hire Sean Connery, you're, you know, you're, you're getting, you're you're getting Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like him and Billy Connolly is another one. Exactly. There's, you know, it's that they are a character in themselves. That voice is just its own thing, isn't it? Its own entity. Exactly. Yeah. The other side of the, the people with not too much talent investing in a studio at home is the opposite where you've got someone who's got amazing talent but has no idea about technical stuff at all uh, which obviously is going to hold them back so uh, how do you manage those kind of people when you're casting and you know that they'll be perfect for the job but their home setup is rubbish 
Um, well, we've been seeing a lot of that lately because of, you know, the whole pandemic thing and everybody having to be home and, and some people scrambling to set up, you know, a quote unquote home studio. And then they realize how difficult it is. And, um, and that's why we have like, you know, the, the George Widoms of the world and the Tim Tippets and, and, uh, you know, those type of people to help. But, um, if you're not in LA or a major city, you know, you're kind of screwed that way. So, um, you know, you can, you can watch things like, you know, George's, um, YouTube show, you know, the VO body shop, you can watch things like that or call him to get consultations and, you know, other tech guys out there can do that for you, which I would advise anybody who wants to do this to do, because if you're not setting up your studio and knowing how to use the equipment properly, you're just wasting all your time and money and everybody else's time and money. And you're going to piss a lot of people off, you know, that before, you know, here in LA, there's pretty much a recording studio on every corner. So if you had to do a, a job and your home studio setup was mostly just set up for auditions, not really broadcast quality, you could just go over there and record something, you know, but now because of the pandemic, we've all had to work from home and um, we've had to learn how to do all this stuff. And it's been a little bit of a... a you know, crash course in tech stuff. But I think there's so many resources out there, whether it be YouTube or, or you know, learning from George or some of these other places that, you know, there's kind of no excuse. And if you want to do this, it's part of what you have to do. You just, there's no two ways about it. Do you think that COVID has slowed the spigot on the sort of influx of, oh, I can do that. I'm going to be a voice person. Oh, yes. And- you know, I, I don't go on the uh, pay-to-play sites, but I have a lot of students that are on there. And um, so many of them prior to COVID, you know, had very successful careers on the pay-to-play sites. That's mostly where they, you know, were making their money. And so many of them have reported to me that since this pandemic has happened, um, they aren't booking jobs the way they used to because it's just saturated with so many extra talent doesn't mean they're good talent. It's just, you know, obviously they take anybody who signs up, but um, because there's just, there's so many fish in the pond and the, the you know, the race to get in there quickly before the first 20 people are in there, you know, it's, it's crazy. So um, I think what's going to happen is they do get weeded out. You know, it's frustrating as all hell. And I always tell my students that, you know, look, the cream rises to the top. It doesn't matter if you paid for a membership somewhere. If you're not good, you're not good, you know, and, and, uh, you know, you, they can spin their wheels all they want, but they're, they're not going to get the bookings. They're not going to get the jobs and it's, it's trying and it's, it's tough. And, and I do feel badly for those talent that are worthy of these things, but yeah, I also get the occasional actor with many years in the business, many, many primarily doing like cartoons and they have like a distinctive voice. They get a couple gigs a year. It's enough for them to live on. They're not doing gangbusters. And now they want to have a home studio because they're saying they need to stay in the mix. And so it's like, what kind of investment does it make sense for these people to make when they book two or three or four characters or gigs a year? So that's a really sticky one, too. Sure. I've got a few friends that are regulars on, you know, animation series. And one of them was telling me, you know, he had a very, actually a very good home studio, but he was not 
you know, most of that, that's the other thing. They've all, every voice actor now has had to learn how to be an engineer and a producer. And um, so he had to learn all of this stuff very quickly and spend like an extra couple grand on his home studio. And he said, what he's noticing now is that like even some of these animation houses are going, well, wait, maybe we can just do this from now on. And, mm-hmm. you know, the actors are a little frustrated because if you've ever been on an animation session, usually they try to get all the actors at the same time in the room. Um, you know, sometimes some people can't make it, but most of the time they try to record that way. And it there's a consistency in sound and everything else. But now there's a discrepancy with sound. And this is, you know, it's happening in so many um, like group type settings with like ADR or dubbing. Um, and the directors are having to have, you know, pre-sessions with you to go over all your recording equipment. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a little bit of a train wreck, but I, uh, I, yeah. I got to do tests before the session, make sure it's exactly. all going to work. So when the client's on the yeah. line, they're not embarrassed by technical problems and yeah. Some of the, um, dubbing houses and I know some of the animation houses, actually send out like a little recording kit to some of the actors, like some of their bigger stars to, you know, maybe a better microphone or interface or something like that. I've I've seen them send the whole thing. Source connect, computer, microphone. Yeah. Everything except for maybe some acoustic treatment. Wow. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's enough to be the actor and now you have to also be your engineer and um, uh, for some people, that's sort of daunting. Well, we had an example just a few weeks ago of a massive name. <laughs> the, <laughs> yes. the recording that the recording that came back was unbelievably terrible. Garbage. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's not what you would expect from the person that we're talking about, but it's just it's it's almost unusable. Yeah. We talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago as well. It's like when this pandemic kicked off and everyone, everybody was told to set up at home, I was thinking, this is great. Finally, vindication for having a home studio. But then as it sort of moved on and I was getting calls from people saying, oh, can you help me set up? I've got this, I've got that. I'm thinking, oh, my God, you've got to be kidding me. And then the, the conclusion I came to was that the commercial studios that are working with these people are just wishing this pandemic would go away and we'll never, ever use home studios again. Well, well, if I, I, I'd have to ask, like an outfit like Voice Tracks West has to be hit incredibly hard by this. I mean, Voice Tracks West was the studio for New York, the studio for Chicago. When you, I, I can't tell you how many times I've patched into Voice Tracks West for whatever gig it is. And um, those are all talent that may or may not have their home studio but it's easier for the engineer because you're like, oh, patching with voice tracks. I don't even have to think about it. I just know that that's right. going to go smoothly. And you know, the talent doesn't have to worry about making sure their studio is all you know ship shape. So those operations, what is it like, you know, uh, Studio Awesome and patches and those studio buzzies is another one really that they really operate out of hosting talent for other absolutely you know, post yeah. houses. Yeah, it's it's scary. I mean, I know 
I know Voice Tracks West has been reasonably busy, but not the way they normally are, of course. And they they do also have kind of like a one room that's like a self-serve booth with like its own entrance. So, I mean, I worry about all those studios because... You know, it's it's really nice to be able to go into a studio when you're not a tech-savvy person like myself, and, and they just do the work, and you can fo- focus on the performance or, you know, directing or whatever it is you have to do. Right. It's one of those things like, you know, like Amazon, don't wish for what you don't want, and you're going to have no, like, local stores left, and here's COVID, and if it's if it is bad enough, there's going to be no local studios left. Yeah, the trickle-down is, is pretty not. crazy. But it also happened with the music industry, the same thing. I mean, the big sort of studios that were making, you know, huge albums in the past, a lot of those have disappeared. Um, yeah, you didn't need as many of them. It's true. You know, yeah. you know, I have a few studios that are able to handle a big drumming session and then everything goes yeah. goes back in. Rhinoceros Studios here in Sydney was massive. Did all, well, how many Australian now al- massive Australian albums would they have done over the years? AP, million, well, hundreds. They, that was hundreds in of excess thousands. built, that studio. And I, I remember when it was built in the 80s, it was just extraordinary. That that massive yeah. SSL desk and yeah. like every, all the bells and whistles and they did all their yeah. records there, but they did, you know, gone. so many yeah. records and then gone. Yep, disappeared. Talk about the internet, though. It's it, the thing is, like you said, said, it's a great resource, which it can be. Um, but the problem is, like, the more I look at this stuff, the more I realise people just follow opinion and don't follow the facts and make really dumb decisions based on some idiot that's put some YouTube thing up about th- you should do this or you should do that, or some stupid podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hate tech. I hate tech support by committee. That's one thing that really bugs me. Yeah, and what microphone are you guys liking these days? Or <laughs> yeah, you know what kind of EQ should I use on my voice? Or uh, you know, none, etc. None is the yeah. answer to that question, right? Exactly. <laughs> but I saw a thing That's the other day where someone, obviously, in fact, one of the people that chimed in is actually very well known to pretty well all of us, um, talking about a certain product that you stick on a microphone that's round with a blue thing on the front. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Singing the virtue like of an it. eyeball. And, yeah. yeah. And everybody oh, was just like things. caning this person. And Wait, I, I lost what you said. Were, Did you say they were, they, were, them. they were praising this product? No, this one person was, and then this other, everybody just came in and attack, 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 and got to the point where one person actually did a foot, like a huge, huge piece, uh, going through the science of why this thing does not work. And then at the bottom, Ooh. it's like, well, that's what you think, but I think it's great. It's like, hang on a minute, that's ridiculous. Ugh. But yeah. that's social media in general. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily just yeah. that one poster. That's, that's you no. know, opinionated assholes. It's an outrage for crap. doing your dishes. Yeah. It's an outrage <laughs> engine. an excellent sponge. Yeah. Uh. Wait, so they, they were singing the praises of it, you're saying, and people were responding yeah. that it's crap, it, right? Yeah. And then someone came yeah. in with science about why it's crap, and they went, I ignore your science, and I believe my own... Yeah committee or whoever it might be that <laughs> well they're they're being sponsored you it's, know, yeah. well you never know it's very, yeah, there's it's a lot of clear. endorsers who don't disclose they endorse of product yeah. i mean i after a couple of years on facebook groups you know i started seeing who is endorsed by who because there's an ongoing support of extremely specific tools or softwares you know that they always recommend without fail and yes I say Twisted Wave all the time. 
And uh, trust me, I have no endorsement deal with yeah. Twisted no, Wave. But you're endorsing it because it's a quality product. One. Yeah. I mean, it's the same yeah, as us it's true, talking but, about the NTG5 yeah. all the time. But, you know, prove to me that it's crap because you can't. There's, you know, yeah. It's a yeah, stand-up exactly. microphone. That's right. Yep. Yeah. But Marilyn, yeah. you would see all sorts of things on the internet about getting into voiceover, casting. Everybody is a coach at the moment. How's that affecting you? It's so unnerving. <laughs> um, it's unnerving. It's it's disappointing. And I've talked to many of my friends that um, and colleagues, you know, that that have been in the business as long as I have. And we have the expertise. We we know what we're talking about and we love what we do. So I don't know, you know, I, I there's, there's nothing you can do about it because it's just, you know, anybody can do that. But I, again, I do believe that, you know, the, eventually the cream does rise to the top and expertise does speak for itself and, uh, and track record speaks for itself. Um, but yeah, it's, it's frustrating and it's, it's a little disheartening, but, you know, I, I think in a way that people do what they think they need to do, you know, and, and, uh, I just say bless them. You know, <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think if you push it hard enough, you can make people believe what you want to believe. People no, are, for me, some it's, people are really, really good a- at at kind of bullshitting. I mean, some people are just really good, you know, throwing around the the, the accolades or whatever. You know, and it, some people are just really good at that. But like I said, um, the truth comes out eventually. It really does, and word does get around and. Um, you know, the one thing about the voiceover community I've always noticed and have always loved about it, as opposed to say, you know, like the on-camera world, um, most of the time it's very supportive and, and, and mostly pretty kind, you know, um, my ex-husband is an, a commercial on-camera casting director and that world is a little more harsh and judgmental and things like that. Um, and I think in the voiceover world, people are a little bit more supportive of each other. So I, I'd like to see that kind of continue. And, and like I said, the, the you know, the, the the kind of the, the you know the the charlatans will eventually get weeded out or discovered at some point or another. Yeah, the trouble is that that bullshit makes more noise than non bullshit. <laughs> That's one of the biggest issues. True, true. And the and the and the other yeah, and the other part of this is that if people get used to something, then that becomes the new normal. So you know, true. Like they yeah, get used it's like to non announcer. You know, like you know talent that comes in and, and essentially has nothing and, and now everyone wants someone who sounds unrehearsed. Yeah. Even though they don't really want that, they think they want that, you know? They think they want like every man and don't sound like an announcer. But really even then you still want someone who can kind of put it in the proper light. And you're you're trying to give these directions that don't necessarily really mean the same thing. Like you know, if if you if you don't read it like an announcer, it will sound just right off the page, really boring. Yeah, does that make it not announcery or just bad? Um, but then you know, it's it's also the audio quality. People get used to bad audio, and that becomes the new norm. You know, I mean, you just flick on the radio or watch TV or whatever, and you're hearing stuff that you've never heard before, thinking, "Oh my God, you've got to be kidding me! How the hell did this get on air?" You know, maybe because I'm more of a lay person as far as audio quality goes. I mean, obviously, I know bad sound, but I wonder too because you're such an expert at that, you can pinpoint things more clearly than the average lay person who might not notice some discrepancies in that. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't know, but would, but George, I, would George Lucas put out Star Wars episode whatever the next one would be, you know, with half-assed audio? I don't think so. You know, I think no, no. regardless, regardless of whether you, regardless of whether you know it's bad or not, surely if you're charged with putting out a product, you're charged with putting out the best product you can. Mm. I would imagine would be Absolutely. certainly be the you way hope, George Lucas. Well, George maybe Lucas the best sees it. I can do is an SM58 with the built-in <laughs> converter of a Mac. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. know. It, it's it's the way of the world, and I guess it will it won't change, unfortunately. But I, I, but also, just like AI and a lot of the other things we've talked about, I think there will always be a call for quality, regardless. Um, I hope so. Know. Yeah, I think there will. Absolutely, I hope so too. Going, yeah, you know. Go, going back to the coach thing, um, do you do you find that you know you see a lot of these websites where it's like you must have a demo and I'm going to produce your demo and some of these things get really expensive. I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars. Or there's there's all the mirrored like coaching options and and everything else. And and do you find that some people just get lost in that world? Um, you know, sometimes they're even pros and they have a career, but they are in some sort of constant self-doubt or something it's like do you really need all this coaching is this really improving anything or are you just caught in a uh, sort of marketplace of telling you you need something that you don't I think that depends on the coach there there are and I'm doing air quotes again um, there are coaches out there that are just into making the money, you know, and they will tell you you're ready for a demo. They will tell you if you take six lessons with me, I'll get you a, you know, that will include a demo at the end of the six lessons or, um, you know, and if you want, we can throw in a promo demo and an animation demo and I'll give you a discount on that. And they get kind of caught up in the whole Barnum and Bailey type thing. Um, and, Maybe those people or that person never should should even be in voiceover classes coaching yet. They should be in acting classes first. You know, um, some there are some coaches that go about it the, the totally wrong way, and, and in my opinion, the the really damaging way because you're building up false hope for these people, and then they get these really you know nicely produced demos or hopefully nicely produced demos, and then they're going to send that out to some big agents or casting directors and we hear them and we just go, oh, well, that's crappy. Um, or we go interview yeah. that talent and they, like I said earlier, um, they can't replicate anything near they what they did. It. Right. Right. So there's those, you know, and I think that's kind of true for any industry out there. There's those like charlatans, those people out there that will take advantage of of people and their money. And it's very, very sad. And I, I used to get so upset about it and, try to help a lot of actors who had been abused that way and just recently I kind of decided I, I don't know that I can do that anymore because it sort of sometimes backfires on me um, there's so many know, stakeholders that you have to worry about who you're offending even though you know it might be something that you feel is true it's like I know lots of people that do demos and everything but I think that everyone like what you use your demo to get to an agent, and then you don't need your demo anymore because you're auditioning, and and it seems like why do you need eighty different demos? You need one demo enough to get you that conversation with an agent. Yeah, there's and, that. It, you're and right. Then you, I, I, you prove your stuff or not? Yeah, there's there's a couple demo people out there that you know think you have to have a demo for. You know, this is this is the demo for when you're at home making dinner, and this is the demo for 
political and this is the demo for, you know, whatever. It's, it's crazy. Um, you know, all I can say is buyer beware. Do your homework, you know, ask around, get to know, listen to the, the producers' demos that they've produced uh, of people that they've right. produced and, that are similar to like you. So much stuff is all audition anyways that, like, are these demos really paying for themselves i i really wonder yeah like you said the demo nowadays is really just to get the agent um however i have seen i'm gonna backtrack a little bit like in the last year or so and um not some well even maybe a little bit with the whole covid casting world but um where a lot of times producer i mean uh, ad agencies don't have a budget for big casting or anything like that. Or they just say, uh, you know, send us some demos of the five people that you vo- their voices fit this and we'll tell you which ones we want to hear read it. And then that's how they, they've cast, if you will, which is different. It's kind of unusual. That's, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, that, it's nice, nice, but it's, it, it's limiting. Well, it, it's, it's so funny how many different opinions there are. I've, I've talked to other talent that have their thing down. They are a known quantity um, and and they're like having to audition for the gig that they've been doing for the last two years, but they still have to audition for it every three months or something, even though it's like, don't you know already? I see that happening more in animation than commercial, but um, yeah, it does happen. Not it's that It's got to be tough for a demo producer who that is their business. Yeah. And so when someone comes to them saying, okay, I've always had a dream of being a voice actor, and I have the money. It's I got the money. I'm a I'm a I'm a surgeon. Yeah. And I I'm I'm <laughs> I've done surgery for forty years. I am ready to spend money on this career. And then how do you tell them no when they come to you with the money and they're willing to be coached and they take direction and they make it through a demo and then they're spit out into the real world and they ain't booking a dang thing. Uh, I I get those people on my lap from time to time. And of course, they think it's their equipment. They think it's the microphone. It's a million different things. That's just such a difficult situation I see come up a lot. There are those people that, given enough money, will be able to buy themselves a career. And You know what, though? I've seen it too, but I'll be honest with you. Um, they Yes, they can buy themselves a career for sure. I have definitely seen that, but they don't sustain it. They just don't because yeah. they just, you know, and they might even buy themselves an agent and do all the whining and dining and all that kind of stuff. They but, might get a big gig or two, a big client or two. But right? they rarely get the big, the big, uh, they just don't book. They might book a couple things here and there, or maybe the agent has even like thrown something towards them. But but eventually yeah. they just, they they peter out. It, I see it happen. They don't last very long. Yeah. They, they'll last, oh, that was a fun little thing. Oh, that was hard. Yeah, I tried. But oh, that Hollywood, it's crazy. I recently had like, I never have a rant on Facebook. And I recently had one because <laughs> this poor guy just has absolutely no talent. My heart breaks for him. And he finally like had a consultation with me to, and to want it because he wanted to do commercial coaching with me. And I had only seen him come to our, our VO pros workshops where I have guest instructors and I hadn't really seen him in one of the classes. And when I had him do copy, he couldn't do anything. He just couldn't. He, he actually has some issues 
And I, my heart was breaking and I just said, what have you done? You know, I know you've been doing this for years. He goes, oh, well, so-and-so told me I could do a demo now. And so-and-so told me this. And, th- and it made me so furious for him. His parents had given him all this money to do this. I'm not saying I'm a saint, but at the same time, I just thought, and I told him, I said, I can't have you come to any more of our VO pros classes because in good conscience, I don't want you to be embarrassed. And I don't, I can't take your money. I don't feel good about that. And he just went, oh, well, I'll find another coach. I'll go somewhere else. And I'm like, whatever, you know, and I, what can I do, you know? And everybody just kind of rolls their eyes and they'll, they'll take the money, but I have always told my talent that coach with me, you know, or even that do my workshops or whatever. I say, my name goes out there with you because when you're going to an agent and an agent says, okay, yeah, um, who have you worked with? They give them my name and I don't want to be, you know, associated with something that's not promising or talented or professional and so on. So, um, you know, and I, I think that that speaks to why I've been also been around for a long time because I just I'm, I'm honest and and I love the world of voiceover, so I I you know I feel like I have some integrity to try and at least you know keep that going as as best I can. I'm not perfect, but you know what I mean. You definitely have the integrity. I'd I'd like to see more like <laughs> voiceover buddy groups where you just get together and you and you read some stuff and you talk about you know, the industry and, and you get some perspective and everything, but it's not like one person who's like coaching somebody who um like they, work, they call workout groups. Don't they yeah. call yeah. workout groups, right? Yeah. And and it's not like I know what you need, you know, like Yeah, there's some I know there's a few out here in LA. I mean, of course I'm sure they're not meeting now, but um, there are some supportive groups like that, um, which is really nice. And there, of course, used to be that wonderful FAFCON, um, which isn't around anymore. But, you know, it, yeah. it's, uh, it, yeah, I think we all kind of need to get back to that. I, I will say, I, I've noticed on Facebook that there are quite a lot of forms and groups. Um, I saw one the other day, it was like voiceover mamas, you know, it's just all women who are mothers, but also have a voiceover career. And I was looking through it and it was really nice. You know, it was just a nice supportive group of women, you know, and what do you do when your kid's having a tantrum outside the booth? You know, things like that. So (laughs) I don't know, pay me and I'll tell you what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Throw them the candy. Um, Yeah. So I, I think that there are, you know, iterations of support groups out there but unfortunately we can't be in person right now so that's kind of sad yeah what do you see after covid is finished how do you see the landscape of your business you know that's a i think that's actually a really good question because um well i i was sort of i was talking to another you know voiceover friend of mine the other day about it i said what's going to happen like do you really think that they're going to make everybody, you know, record from home now? Do you really think this? And and we both kind of figured out it might go on for a little while longer, the recording from home. But I think that when they realize that it's easier to have, you know, like you were saying, that like the voice tracks west of the world and the studios we can bridge to, um, the time will be an issue of making things come back to normal. And then all those people that sort of decided they could be a voice actor while COVID was going on um, will sort of realize, okay, I don't have time for this. I got to get back to my regular job. I had parents 
whose kids went to school with my kids, you know, like 10, 15 years ago, calling me up, Mary Lynn, do you still do that voiceover thing? I mean, I'm home now and I think I could do that. You know, it, it was just crazy. And I think all those people were sort of peter out. Um, I, I kind of, that's sort of what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that the studios can reopen and uh, actors, yes, will be able to have that opportunity to record at home or go to a studio. And um we won't hear so many of those, you know, we're all in this together commercials. And, uh, <laughs> you, know, um, you know, we can run around without, you know, masks and gloves. I, yeah, I'm just, <laughs> I'm praying for that. I think it's going to be some mix of all of it. Yeah. There's going to be some people that just walk out of it going like, wow, that worked. And yeah. let's not even pay a lease anymore. And then others that are like, thank God. Oh, I know. There's some talent agencies that uh, that I know of that are closing their brick and mortar to just have the agents all work from home now, and they're going to keep it that way. So I don't. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. What, what's the best thing? I mean, you've, you know, obviously the the worst thing is that you know all these in, in inverted commas voice actors have come out of the 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 walls. Um, what's the best thing to come out of all this? Do you think what's something you hope will stick around? Um, the best thing is that I think we've all gotten more tech savvy <laughs> um, and more uh, uh, appreciative of those tech savvy geniuses like the George Widoms of the world and, um, you know, m- more um, professional that way. Um, and I think also it's sort of forced other, you know, actors that maybe didn't stay with their training to get back in their training and maybe also discover some new genres of voiceover that they maybe didn't dabble in before. So I think some of that could be considered very positive, but you know, it's also, it's, it's kind of scary because I've seen some people lose accounts and some agents close their doors and, you know, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm always a glass half full person. So I'm really hoping that, some good comes out of, you know, this, this black hole. Well, George, I think the positive thing for you to come out of this interview is that you need to keep Mary Lynn on the payroll, mate, because she's plugging <laughs> you galore, buddy. <laughs> yes, thank you very much, Mary Lynn. Oh, well, you're, that's why you're George Widom, you know. It's just- Business has been stiff. I've, I'm quite happy about uh, not happy about COVID, but happy that I was in the right place at the right time and doing this remotely now for many years. Having all the systems in place, having the experience to be able to support people from a long distance and, you know, effectively, um, I'm very lucky that I prepared for that, you know? Mm. So for me, it's just, it's sort of pretty much status normal, just a little bit less driving around the city, which I'm actually kind of happy with. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm quite comfortable and happy supporting people from afar from from any level, from just, you know, you're talking into the wrong side of the mic to this is how you're going to build your entire studio. I mean, I've, I'm doing it all right now with people. So it's. What about this is great. how you set up your chaotic eyeball? <laughs> yeah, this is where you put your chaotic eyeball. Exactly. This is exactly where you put it. <laughs> yeah, bend I'll over. Tell you where to exactly put where it. to put it. <laughs> uh, on that note, I think we should uh, pull the pin and say thank you, Mary Lynn. Oh, thank you so much, guys. This was a fun Friday night uh, adventure, and definitely great to talk with you all and 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 all that good stuff. This show was mixed by Voodoo Sound. Edit by Andrew Peters using Source Connect Now and Rode Microphones with 
technical support from George the Tech Witten. Don't forget to subscribe and like us. You're like for trouble.